The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 321, broadcasting live on Thursday, October 22nd, 2015. I'm your host, Rich, and our call number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call number 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show where I give my take on MMA, wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. Our live shows air every Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific for MMA and wrestling, and Thursdays at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific for gaming and entertainment. There are a couple of ways you can participate, watch, chat, and tons of other things for the show. You can go to mtrlive.com where you will find the live show chat, video stream powered by StreamUp, and audio provided by Mixler. In addition to that, you can follow the video simulcast on Vaughn Live, StreamUp, YouTube Live, and even on the Twitch app, which right now is available not only on the Xbox One, but also on the PlayStation 4 as well, so you can watch the show that way. Of course, video and audio archives of the show are available within 24 to 48 hours of broadcast, either for audio on iTunes, Stitcher, and tune in radio and for video of course on our two YouTube channels my take radio TV and official rageworks so a couple of things before we get into this week's show yesterday we did not do an MMA and wrestling show unfortunately uh, real life gets in the way so I did not leave the office till very late yesterday and because of that it actually delayed my preparation for the show thus no show last night so i figured i'd jump in do the show this week for gaming and entertainment i'm a little bummed out only because i wanted to do my picks for hell in the cell and a couple of mma news and my thoughts on the last raw before hell in the cell but unfortunately shit happens so you're getting your gaming and entertainment this week plus you're going to get a brand new episode of the regular season sportscast from jay you were going to be you guys were going to you were going to receive the 30th episode of Black is the New Black unfortunately uh 
Ben and Taylor had their fair share of tech mishaps as well, and that derailed their show. Not sure if they're going to be doing a show tomorrow, but if they are, keep it locked to RageWorks.net for the new episodes of Black is the New Black. Also, uh, we will be at the Photo Plus Expo tomorrow, which is an hour from now, uh, the 23rd, at the Javits, uh, checking out all the latest video gear, cameras, and any other accessories and gadgets that we can apply to the show. Of course, keep it locked to our social media accounts, either at Rage underscore Works on Twitter, our Facebook fan page, or, of course, my Instagram account, RageWorks underscore Rich, for content from that show. Last Thursday, we did the Get Geeked event uh, with our friends at uh, GetGeekedEvents.com and GetGeekedNY.com, and you can check out our content from that on the Facebook fan page. I got some pictures I got to put up and also some other content that we wanted to share with you guys. It's just been such a hectic couple of days. We did get the software that we used for the show previously, ManyCam, back up and running. Shout out to ManyCam's tech team. I gave those guys hell on social media, and they finally reached out and gave me some really good solutions to get everything back up and running. I'm hoping that the video looks crisp and clean and uh, hopefully no drop frames and no issues when the show is finished this evening. Let's keep our fingers crossed. That's for damn sure. In any case, I wanted to go back to using ManyCam only because it's a lot easier to use on the fly versus what we were using originally, which is XSplit, which many of you use for streaming. I just like ManyCam because it allows uh, you know, 12 inputs, and I can have different cameras, different frames, and I can show you guys some of the stuff that's going on, trailers, stuff from the site, etc., so I'm glad that we got that back up and running. Hopefully the videos will get completed nice and easy with no mishaps and we can go back to our regular workflow. A couple of things I did want to tell you. We are going to have a, a very different schedule in November. The first week of November is going to have live shows. The second week will have no shows just because there's going to be a lot of events that week wedding anniversaries that week so just uh no there will be no shows that week but i'm sure of course you'll have episodes of black is the new black uh, the regular season sports cast i know that quark and blade are working on a halloween edition of the buried show which you should be getting right after hell in the cell so be on the lookout for that there will be shows probably that following week and then the week after There'll probably be only the Wednesday show and, of course, no Thursday show due to Thanksgiving and the holiday break. We'll see how that goes. But the schedule is going to be a little a little different throughout the month of November. And to a degree, it's going to be that way through for the month of December as well. But obviously, we still got to get through October 1st before we start talking about December. But I figured I'd let you guys know what's going on there. Lots of content on RageWorks.net, including... Tons of reviews. We just put up a review for Transformers Devastation, which I finally finished. I'm on my second playthrough. You can check that out on RageWorks.net. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, Quick announcement. We may have the producer on the game for that game on air probably within the next couple of weeks. Just got to get some scheduling handled, but we will have the producer from Transformers Devastation stopping by to talk about the game and all the work that went into it. And, of course, I'm going to pick his brain, 
share my gripes, et cetera, et cetera, see what he has to say, put him under the lamp, so to speak. And um, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I enjoyed the game, had its fair share of things that I didn't like, but it had a lot of cool, nostalgic things that I really enjoyed. So I'm definitely looking forward to chopping it up with the producer of that game in a couple of weeks. Once we get the schedule finalized, of course, I will share it with you guys. For those of you that missed last week's shows, we made an announcement about our brand new RageWorks store on TeePublic, which is not only going to have RageWorks designs and My Take Radio designs, but it's also going to have tons of pop culture stuff as well. Going to give you guys a little sneak peek. There it is. You got some Star Wars shirts. You got a Ronda Rousey shirt, a little Ric Flair action, Deadpool, some Waylon Utani stuff. A lot of Marvel and DC, a lot of 80s baby stuff. So make sure to check that out if you're a fan of Star Wars or any of the pop culture stuff that we cover. I'm sure you'll appreciate some of the designs that we got. There's even some wrestling stuff there as well. Really excited to have partnered with T Public. They actually reached out to us and said that they want to work with us and put a store together. So I'm really happy to be working with them. You're going to see merch not only from My Take Radio and Rageworks, but we're also going to be putting out merch for the regular season sportscast, Black is the New Black, and The Buried Show, of course. We're just going to work on that in the coming weeks, and we'll be updating those designs. And, of course, I will keep you guys posted on air to share that stuff with you. I'm really excited. Uh, before anybody sends me any messages about the price, yes, the shirts are 20 bucks, but take into consideration that this handles fulfillment shipping all of the above and you know we we do get a percentage obviously and that goes towards improving the shows improving the site etc 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 wash rinse and repeat you guys know the deal but again any shirts that you like on there or any designs that you're looking for any particular properties feel free to reach out via social media i'll see if it's available and try and keep the store as updated as possible One other thing that I am going to kind of tease is that we're going to be changing where MTR broadcasts from. I don't have a specific timeline yet, but it may be before the end of the year. And when you guys see what we're going to do, we're going to really take it to another level. Really excited at the the prospect of doing that. There's going to be a lot of adjustments, a lot of enhancements, and a lot of improvements, not only for our on-air product, but some of the other stuff we do as well. Really excited for that, so keep an eye on that. Figured I'd throw that little tease out there and let you guys know what's going on behind the scenes. All right, so we got the gaming news of the week on tap. As usual, we got a fair amount of entertainment news this week. And um, with that, that's going to wrap up the housekeeping. Let's switch gears and jump into this week's gaming news. Let's get that ball rolling. All right, so I want to get the ball rolling with Batman Arkham Knight. Now, the reason I want to bring this up is because Batman Arkham Knight has had an incredible amount of success. Lots of DLC has been cranked out, and people, of course, had their issues with the season pass. Uh, Some good, some bad, some liked it, some didn't. But um, the crazy thing is that even before 2015 ends, we're going to see a lot more DLC being released. Obviously, in October already, they've released the TV series Batmobile. 
um, the Catwoman skin from the TV series, the Robin skin, and um, 1970s uh, Batmobile skin as well. Plus, of course, AR challenges, a bunch of updates, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, on in November, you're going to get a Batman versus Superman pack, which is going going to include the Batmobile from the upcoming film, a Batman skin. You're going to get some Wayne Tech packs. You're going to get some additional episodes, which are going to add story con- story mode content and some AR challenges as well. In December, you're going to get the Season of Infamy Most Wanted expansion. You're going to get a Killer Croc mission, a Mr. Freeze mission, a Mad Hatter mission, and a Rachel Ghoul mission. Plus, you're going to have the costume from the 2008 Batman skin from the 2008 Batman movie of as well and you're also going to get the original Arkham Batmobile in addition to that now like I said the DLC people have a love-hate relationship with it I personally with a game like this I usually pass on the DLC primarily because there's always an inevitable game of the year edition that is going to come out whether it's Six months from now, a year from now, it's going to happen. And at that case, in that at that point, you know, I'll pick up the game if I haven't finished it, or I'll sell the copy I have and pick up the game of the year edition. As I said, many people were a little upset with the season pass and the stuff that they were getting, quote unquote, beat over the head for. And I know a, a decent amount of people were annoyed that the bulk of it were just AR challenges and skins. Only because for a game that big and all the stuff that they teased, you would have expected more story content. And something that Slick and I have addressed in previous shows is that season passes aren't always bad, but a bulk of, uh, the bulk of the time they are. If a game is adding enough improvements to where you're getting a completely different experience, for me personally, I don't have any any real issue with this. Let's say your season pass gives you an extra 8 to 12 hours of gameplay, maybe 16 or or 20 hours, then there's a value there. And if you're only paying 20 bucks for it and you're getting a completely different game, that I can understand. But when the bulk of the game is missions that don't really add anything, all the AR stuff and the miscellaneous skins, what ends up happening is you're not really getting a return on investment, especially if you've beat the game already and you invested in the season pass to get additional story content. What ends up happening is you become disillusioned. You don't really get the maximum enjoyment from that DLC, and it just ends up being cast aside. Now, I want to say that publishers do account for that, and I think to a degree they hope that you buy the season pass and get tired of the game before that you know you can get all all your money's worth it's only it's because what ends up happening in that case is they get the money from you you get maybe 25% enjoyment from the season pass at which point you know they already they already won because they got the money and you end up selling or trading the game and not even acknowledging the fact that you spent an extra 20 bucks on shit that you didn't even wait around to use that's that's what i'm saying Slick says that the only season passes that he can think of off the top of his head that are worth it are the ones for Dying Light and The Witcher 3. And I have to agree with Slick on this only because both games have added really, 
really massive amounts of of just gameplay and 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 features that make you want to play the game pretty much from start to finish all over again some of the stuff is additional story content and of course you get your usual skins etc etc but the the bigger portion is just the the value in getting that additional playtime that's what matters most and if you're not getting that then you're either not getting the most out of the game or publishers are really being over the top with their with their season pass offerings nonetheless the list of dlc for batman arkham knight while it is some cool stuff like i like the batman versus superman batmobile i don't feel that that warrants the pretty fairly uh fairly expensive price tag of the season pass that came with this game that's all i'm saying if if you're smart you would hold out 40 bucks thank you slick 40 you would you would hold out and pick up the game of the year edition because it's gonna happen there's no sense in in spending 90 dollars on the game and the season pass and not getting your money's worth some people just don't care about the ar missions or any of that bullshit so you know hold out wait for the game of the year edition and apply that 40 dollars elsewhere I'm sure there's pre- there's some other good stuff that's coming out that you'll want to pick up. But again, we're just giving we're just giving our take on the situation, but there's better things I could see myself spending $40 on. That's all I'm saying. The other thing I did want to talk about is Star Wars Battlefront. Star Wars Battlefront had a public beta that I participated in. Very I had a, I had a blast. Um this would have been my third go around with the game. Uh, first time was during the EA Summer Preview where I went with Danny from Royal Flush Magazine and checked it out. And it, w- it was great. Don't get me wrong. It was really cool. And I felt that the game from what I played was a game that I could see myself thoroughly enjoying. Then two weeks ago, I'd like to say, we went and met with EA for their fall game preview. And they had Star Wars Battlefront and they had some new levels and stuff to mess around with. And with regards to that, I have to say that I I played the game in single, you know, on my own and multiplayer with Jimbo Slice, who went with me. And I got to say that while I did enjoy the game, the maximum benefit obviously is going to come from the huge lobbies and the online play. But the thing that bothered me, and I touched on this uh, on the last gaming and entertainment episode of MTR, was the fact that there was no dedicated single-player campaign mode. On the contrary, all you get are single-player games with bots, and you don't get any real campaign mode to enjoy. And this bothered me as mostly because the Star Wars franchise has so many great stories, so many great levels that you can really apply to, to the gaming mechanics on, on display in Star Wars Battleground whether it's, you know, Tatooine or Endor or on on the Death Star, any of that stuff. There's so many great things you can do, and you can even expand on that, whether it's, you know, go to the Wookiee homeworld or anything else. You can, you can really add at least 12 hours of, of a single-player campaign in there. I'm not asking for, you know, a huge expansion that would take hours upon hours to get through, but at least give those of us that don't want to spend the bulk of our time in lobbies or waiting for servers to be online to, to really enjoy something that's, 
that has a narrative. Uh, again, you can play the game with bots, and, and that's fine. But I think a game like Star Wars deserves some sort of a single-player campaign. It doesn't have to be anything crazy, over-the-top, insane, but definitely something that can just just add a little extra meat and potatoes to, to the platter. That's all I'm saying. Because right now, you can go, you can play multiplayer when you, when you pick up the game, and you're going to have a good time because it is a fun, fun game. But you're only going to enjoy it but so much, especially if you aren't someone that's going to jump in religiously and master the game you're going to be getting shot in the face on the regular. And that's what ended up happening with me when I started playing the the first the first time with when we met with EA. I played the game. It you know, it took me a while to adjust to the controls only because I was playing it on PlayStation 4 and not Xbox 1 and I'm a weirdo with this stuff, but I play first person shooters on Xbox 1 and not on the PS4 only because I feel that the analog sticks and my big ass thumbs just don't make it comfortable to play versus, uh, uh, you know, the staggered uh, sticks that the Xbox One has. Again, that's just my personal preference. But the first time I played it on the PS4, it was it, it, it took me it took me some time to adjust to the to the controls and and everything else. But I was getting killed left and right. Um, the second time around, when we met with EA recently, played them played the game again. And I remembered the controls, you know, just from from it wasn't that far off from the first time I played and I fared a little better when I participated in the beta recently. I downloaded it for Xbox one and I did really well. Like I ran through the game fairly quickly and I'm not saying that I'm any sort of first person shooter master or anything of that, anything of that nature. All I'm saying is that for me personally, I felt that it was just more conducive to play the game on the Xbox One versus the PS4. Now, I know others that, you know, they're no joke on the PS4 when it comes to first-person and third-person shooters. You know, I mean, if it's something like Uncharted, things like that, that's a little different. But, I mean, just constant, you know, first-person shooter or third-person over-the-shoulder, it's just not for me on the PS4. That stuff I'll play on the 360, obviously, for those games or on the Xbox One now. Um, With regards to that, I was taking a look at the Elite controller that they put out, and that $150 price tag is ridiculous, but I will say that people that have reviewed it and spent time with it really, really enjoy it, and they feel that it definitely is the controller that Microsoft should have put out with the Xbox One in the first place. Now, with that said, I'm sure that once the novelty wears off, that controller will A, become the standard, and B, drop to a price point that is a little bit more forgiving. That $150 price point is ridiculous. I remember the um, the MLG controllers with all that customization were about $100, $125, and a lot of them were were just you know collecting dust. I mean, I went into Best Buy from when they came out all the way through the holiday season and they were they were just peg warmers. I actually went in there about 2 weeks ago, maybe 3 weeks ago and they started trickling down in price getting marked down obviously because people aren't really picking up controllers for the 360 and PS4 like that, especially third party stuff. Now, the $150 price tag, I'm not a fan of it. 
not at all. And like I said, if there is going to be a premium on it, all right, a controller now. What's a controller now? Slick, so like $60, bucks, 50 bucks. If they said that it was going to be 75 even 80 I could I could accept 75 or 80 60 thank you slick $60 for a regular controller I could, I could take 75 or even 80 65 for a special edition controller slick just told me so 60 65 bucks cost of entry for regular controllers premium controllers or controllers with any special modifications I could see 75 even 80 I'd even go as far as saying I could stretch it for 90 bucks if it had the same level of customization that the Xbox the Xbox Elite controller had. Now, the $150 price tag is just way too high. Way too fucking high. And I'm not saying that because of of, you know, being cheap or anything because I I've I've spent money on good controllers and and I've spent a a nice amount of money, you know, 75 bucks, 80 bucks depending on the system. Depending on the controller, I've done that. But, you know, I just I just don't feel that that 150 is going to do anything for anyone. On the contrary, the only people at that point that are going to spend that 150 are going to be the people that are really super invested and have the money to spare. Me personally and, and most of my fellow colleagues are going to, you know, we're going to either wait or we're just we're just going to buy something from a third party. Slick just said it. You're paying for the name because a third party could make could make one and charge half the price. I I agree a hundred percent. You know, there's plenty of companies out there that make pretty decent controllers that you know they do a good job with them. I mean, hell, I'll I'll give you guys one. Not too long ago, I got this PS3 wireless controller from Afterglow, and you know it has a little gimmick that it glows in the dark etc etc but during my time reviewing this controller it was it was pretty solid it was a serviceable controller from a third party manufacturer that wasn't terrible now we always joke about the third party controllers being reserved for guests and for those family members that we may not like as much as our regular family members it, it happens we we all have that but the fact is that Lately, I've I've invested money in first party controllers just because it's 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 better to have them with rechargeable batteries and not deal with any nuances or bullshit. Now, the Afterglow controller surprised me. Very enjoyable, uh, very awesome piece of hardware, and that controller is is priced pretty afford. It's it, it's pretty affordable. It has a pretty affordable price range, and again, if it was a little more money or if it had some features that really warranted a premium price that was twenty to thirty dollars more than the standard, I would have paid it. Same thing on on this elite category, but right now I just don't think that that hundred and fifty dollar price point is 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 nice. It's really not. I mean, Slick just said GameStop has third party Xbox One controllers for forty to fifty bucks. So for you to spend that hundred and fifty, either you got to have gift certificates or some some extra money laying around because to walk in there and buy it outright is just stupid. I, I definitely see a price drop in the future. I wouldn't be shocked if six months, nine months after the controller's out, it receives a price cut only because I'm, I, I'm almost certain that that will become the standard controller going forward.
Last bit of Star Wars Battlefront news before we move on. It was also announced that you're going to be able to play as Princess Leia, Han Solo, and Emperor Palpatine. Of course, this is along with the the, the favorites, Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, and Boba Fett. Of course, you're always going to be able to play as Stormtroopers and Rebel Soldiers, but playing as some of the iconic characters is definitely a nice touch as well. Now... As I was mentioning with regards to the Elite controller, I did want to talk a little bit about I did want to talk a little bit about Microsoft's uh, current announcements. They had a really really good first quarter. Uh, the company revealed that their Xbox Live user base increased twenty eight percent over the last three months. That's a, a really really substantial jump that now puts Xbox Live at an active user base of thirty nine million. Now I do want to say that. This could you can attribute this to a lot of great multiplayer games coming out, and and I'm referring to games like Madden, uh, FIFA, you know the usual sports titles, NHL, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Those are always going to have uh, an incredible online user base. In addition to that, of course, you're going to see an increase with Halo right around the corner. Whether you love the series or you don't, it's Microsoft's. It's Microsoft's golden golden goose. It fucking just cranks out money, and people they're they're reserving the game left and right, picking up uh, special edition Xboxes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, at the end of the day, you know that the online user base is going to grow substantially for that game. I know at least five people that I know personally that are waiting to buy an Xbox One to play Halo. They didn't buy it for shit else. But they're picking up an Xbox One strictly to get their hands on Halo. Now, whether that's right or wrong, I, I have no control over anybody's pockets. But I will say that that's definitely going to increase the active user community on Xbox Live. Now, the thing is, obviously, the active user base is 39 million. But the total amount of people on Xbox Live is about 50 million people. So active user base is 39 million and the total amount of people on the service itself is closer to 50. And the thing is that, like I said, you have, a, you had a lot of great games that came out that leveraged online substantially. Um, I got to ask slick slick. Are you playing GTA online still? And if you are, what kind of a, of a community are you seeing out there? during games is it still a fairly large user base or do you see the user pool shrinking i'm curious and i ask because right now games like metal gear metal gear 5 got online added of course destiny the taken king is all about the online experience so i'm curious to see if games like gta that made tremendous use of online have seen a decrease in engagement um slick is actually calling in to answer this question so let me bring him in there's my screen slick what's up buddy what's up <clears throat> so yeah it was just no 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 it's fine it's no it, it's fine I'm, I'm i prefer i prefer you you chime in this way um you know the xbox user base the xbox live user base incredibly active growing substantially and as i said before i brought you on a lot of lot of games making full use of that online experience and not even an online experience 
that's that's a cash grab, but a genuine enjoyable one. And obviously, the standard sports titles are are to be expected. But games like Metal Gear Solid Five that just got the uh, the online component, Destiny, um, Halo, all, you know, all the usual titles are there. But it it brings me to what I asked you before about GTA. Now with all this these other titles out, do you feel that there's less less people on GTA Five now? No, I really don't. And um, I want to give a special shout out to Rockstar, who apparently doesn't want us to put out updates for them anymore because they stopped sending us emails. Because otherwise, Rich would know the answer to this question. Correct. And um, this week, this past Tuesday, Rockstar launched what is called their their Lowriders update. And give me a second. I'm just trying to pull up the page. Basically, um, to add to the four existing uh, garages that are already in in um, San Andreas, they added a new garage which is specifically for lowriders. Right. It's called um, Benny's Benny something, and um, one of the early character well. The first character you meet in the game, once you get control of it, Lamar Davies, is basically up to no good again. It's a whole, it's kind of a story mission within the online. So they they are drumming up more, more, um, more engagement. Yeah, because it's, it's, it takes four players to play it. So it's kind of like more of the heist mode missions. But generally, if you just go into an online lobby, which I forget whether it's 30 or 32 people maximum, you, you're usually going to find a minimum of like 20 to 25 people in a, a populated lobby. It's, it's, it depends on what time you go online as well, because sometimes I'll go online in the middle of the night. You might come across a lobby that you know, only have like one or two people in there, five people. Right. Sometimes there are some survey issues and, you're in a full lobby, and all of a sudden you're in a lobby by yourself, but that's an ongoing issue, and it really depends on what you want to do. Sometimes I go online just to get some, some quick money, and I just do the, the daily objectives, so I'll go into a, an invite-only lobby and be by myself, but if you go into a regular lobby, you know, it's generally going to be, I'm not going to say it's full, because People can can still come in and go, and not not get like you know locked locked out or anything. Right. You can always there's always enough room to invite your friends if they're online at the same time as you. But it, it's it doesn't seem like it's it's shrunk. I mean, I would understand if it's shrunk because even for the um, I mean the the original game is past two years for the the um, the PS3 and the 360. It's approaching one year for the the um, PS4 and the Xbox One, right? But it it it's it's still going strong, and from what I've seen on the message boards, people appreciate the the um the new the new game mode and being able to trick out lowriders. I mean, I'm not quite sure why. I mean, I understand there are plenty of people. You'll see the videos online. There are plenty of people that just show off their cars, but in terms of functionality, 
the lowriders are not very functional because they're not terribly fast overall. Right. And not having a hood it makes it a lot easier to get shot. Gotcha. Makes sense. I just think that Microsoft, especially now, they've they've got some 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 decent numbers. They're really trying to dethrone the PlayStation Four, which obviously has a very very aggressive number one position. But that's only because people were not, and we and you and I have talked about this. People were soured at the initial Xbox experience, and as the experience improved. PlayStation was already off to the races at this point. So with that said, I I do feel that what sets these consoles apart, and I've said this before, is just the exclusives at this point. Because everything else is the fucking same. (laughs) I mean, that's definitely correct, but it's like... My personal preference, of course. it's, It's definitely personal preference, but that goes back to the exclusives as well. But Microsoft, I mean, they're, they're trying so hard to, I guess, claw their way to the top. But it really seems like they're grabbing at the wrong things. How so? Because I have mentioned that um, the whole thing with, with getting it, and now we know it's only times, but uh, the whole thing is making Tomb Raider an exclusive. Right. It was like, okay... And now, now that we know it's timed, I mean that that really kind of will hurt Microsoft in the long run because with the the track record of what Square Enix and 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 Eidos have done with Tomb Raider, when it comes out on PlayStation Four and PC, eventually it'll be a better version with you know more updates and everything. And I I agree. I mean, here's here's the thing that and, and this is something that bothers me. If, if Microsoft is locking down exclusivity, then the exclusivity should be applied to PC and Xbox because they're, they're usually now spoken in the same set in the same breath, you know, it, it, you know, cross platform play PC and Xbox uh, cross compatibility, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, running windows 10, you know, all the usual bullshit. So when I hear, Oh, Xbox has it on lock and PlayStation and PC are getting it later, it's like you 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 guys are shooting yourselves in the foot because you guys are the bulk of the PC market anyway. Yeah, exactly. Why it doesn't make any sense to me. Like Street Fighter Five, exclusive to the PS4 and cross platform play with the PC. Okay, great. So they can pull it off. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like that makes no sense. The only thing that's going to be a little bit messed up about that, and I'm sure they, they, they've considered it, is that the PC community will obviously be modding costumes the way they did before. And of course. I guess what will just happen is if, if there is a battle between the PS4 and a PC player, the PS4 person will probably just see the regular costume. Right. That's that's more than likely going to be the case. I mean, I, if I remember correctly, and I believe this was when we were still playing Street Fighter 4 aggressively on the 360 when people didn't have specific costumes we'd see just the regular characters right if you didn't have the DLC right or you or or you'd get a, a little patch that would let you see the character but obviously not pick it because I remember that as well I think what you just said is what actually did happen because um, you know what it was you would get the update right because the, the stuff is really 
usually on disc or something, or was for the, the that game. Right. You would get the update, which allows you to see it in a match, but if you if you haven't paid for it, can't use it. So right. basically, you have it, but you don't have it. Right. Now, I've I've played the Street Fighter Five beta maybe three times out of every time that I've logged on since it's been out, and. I think I think the approach for this game, obviously, they're going a, a, in a completely different direction to ensure that they don't obviously piss people off. But the thing that gets me is the 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 whole costume thing. It's it's it was such bullshit on four when when they were like, oh, you got to buy all these costumes. I ended up getting all the costumes when I bought you know the big Street Fighter box set. But it's just crazy that that was this whole big to do. It's like costumes should be fucking free. I I. I, I hate to say it, but it's like costumes should be free. They add nothing to the game except personal, you know, personal choice. Aside from that, why are you charging people money for it? It's stupid. Well, I think with the new setup and this, of course, since the game is now yet, it's all speculation. With the whole fight money system, it will be quote unquote free. Right. Unless you actually opt to pay for it. Right. Which is fine. I don't mind that because then you have the choice. It's either grind, grind like everybody else and, and, and get that fight money and buy the stuff or cut corners and buy the stuff. I mean, right now I'm playing, um, what the hell is that? Marvel, Marvel's Puzzle Quest. The, the, I have a backlog of games, but the game I play every fucking day is Marvel's <laughs> Puzzle Quest. And, and this is because my phone is pretty much at an, at arm's length at all times you know this better than anyone and i'm playing the game and you know you win tokens to recruit other heroes so the tokens you win are standard recruitment re- recruiting to- tokens so you go you redeem the tokens and you're either going to get a one star hero with like you know a level two or a two star hero that might be like a level 15 or you might get lucky and get a three-star that's a level 40 or a level 50. Great. Now, every time I redeem the standard tokens, I get a couple of one-star heroes. Every fucking time. So then you can buy covers with these tokens that you earn in the game. But the thing is, every time you finish a match, you don't get, you don't earn tokens. You earn this stuff called ISO 8, which you can use to buy, like, you know, special gems, um, upgrade certain characters, power levels, etc. But you don't get that gold money. And if you do get it, it's few and far between. What they end up doing is, oh, you want 500 gold coins, $3. It's like, fuck you. So with that said, the game is free, and, I, and I've played the shit out of it. It's, you know, it's a nice way to pass the time on the bowl. And they actually just released it for consoles. Not sure how much it is, but... You know, if, if you've played Puzzle Fighter, you know what to expect. And the thing is that in that regard, you don't have to spend any money to enjoy the game. I'm happy with the one or two three-star characters I got, even though it's like, you know, level level 40 Magneto and level 40 Storm and like level 15 Steve Rogers. No Deadpool, none of that cool shit, because why not? But um, the thing is, when you look at a game like that and you look at Street Fighter, if you're adding new characters and stuff like that and you want to do a little something five bucks ten bucks okay but the fact that you're oh here's four characters and all these extra costumes 
and the bulk of the update is costumes, it's fucking stupid. It defeats the purpose. It doesn't add anything to the game. Nothing whatsoever. Unless they actually, I mean, it would be with Street Fighter, but with like a Marvel game, it's possible that uh, the costumes actually do give different powers. Right. Like if you if you had uh, Spider-Man's a great example. If you can get black Spider-Man, maybe he moves faster than regular Spider-Man or. But you're black. Yeah, exactly. There's there's, there's definitely a joke there for that. Um, maybe you get Scarlet Spider and you get different abilities or maybe you get movie movie costume Spidey and he has organic web shooters or whatever the case may be. But in that regard, I can see that being applicable. But if you're trying to tell me that it's going to cost me $3 to play as Ryu with a fucking beard, you can kiss my ass. <laughs> oh, look, Ryu has a beard. Oh, thanks. $3, please. <laughs> it's like it's like in Coming to America when he went to sit down to get the haircut, they cut the braid off, and they, t- and they charged him $10. Same shit. He could have done it himself. So you're charging me $3 or whatever because either A, you want to show me Ryu with a beard because, you know, I woke up this morning and the first thing I was curious about was what would Ryu look like with a beard or you want to show me a little skin for for Chun-Li or Cammy or whoever because, you know, why not? $5. Oh, you want to see a little more? It's like, yo, what am I at, a strip joint? Out of here. It's ridiculous. And that's why you know that the um, even though they started to do it with some games, you know that you won't see the um, the mod community, the stuff that they create, move over to the PS4. Well, that's here's the thing: when you look at, I'll give you a good example: Mortal Kombat, the last one. I bought the season pass, whatever you know, whatever it is, you know, glutton for punishment. But I bought it because I wanted to play as the Predator, as Jason, you know, those characters. I didn't give a shit about X, Y, and Z. I only cared about playing as Jason and Predator because that, that was fucking awesome. And that was, as soon as, I, I played the game with everybody else and, and they was like, oh, do you want to upgrade, you want to update to unlock your DLC characters? I didn't do it officially till the other characters started becoming available. And you know this because I was sharing videos of, hey, I got Jason or, hey, I got the Predator. Because that's all I wanted. And I knew, like, hey, I want to pay- I want to get these characters. I want to use them. I don't want to wait for Game of the Year edition. I'll lay out the money. But again, it added something different to the game because you're playing as these characters. You get endings as these characters. And that's it. But, like, if, if you're charging me money for a green dress instead of a blue dress or a, bla- or a red gi instead of a black gi, or look, I have a beard, or look, I don't have a beard, or today I'm wearing a cat costume for whatever reason. Like fuck you! It's stupid, dude. You know I'm right. Remember when they put Cammy in the cat costume and motherfuckers on the internet were like, "Oh, this is fucking awesome!" You stupid bastards. Yeah, I waited for the the you know the super duper three flips in the air edition that came with that stuff. That's it, I, dude. I didn't pay for it separately. That's it. Take your old version, sell it for twenty bucks. Buy the new version for forty bucks. It's really just an extra twenty you paid, and keep it moving. That's all. It's like WWE 2K16. You know, they released all their announcements of what the, of, of, you know, all the different packs and stuff you're going to get. And they added some stuff for, for the campaign mode and they added certain wrestlers. And either you play as those wrestlers or you don't. Now, 
like you were saying with regards to Street Fighter on the PC, you know that the, that the 2K games have an incredible modding community. So if you don't want to pay money to get Stone Cold Steve Austin from the Hollywood Blondes, just as an example, and you want to use that character, someone's going to create him. I mean, on WWE 2K15, I played as as a Finn Balor that someone created that was game perfect. It was so perfect, dude, you would have thought he was in the game. So, you know, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. The announcer's introducing him as, you know, Balor Dan player or whatever. One. Yeah, or Player One or Balor Dan or whatever the fuck. But sprite-wise, move-wise, everything else, these guys did their homework. These are guys that have sit th- that have sat there and dissected moveless and created the dudes from the ground up. And there were some really good ones. I mean, there was... There was one where somebody created Kurt Angle when he was aligned with Vince and Stone Cold, and he had the little cowboy hat. It was ridiculous. Who does that? You know what I mean? But those are the guys that, like, when I was younger and I used to play, you know, SmackDown Know Your Role or Here Comes the Pain, I would sit down and I'd create all these wrestlers, and I used to print out all the formulas and shit and hours upon. Now, I don't need to do that shit anymore. Now I just go, oh, look, Community Creations. Oh, look, Blue Tista. Hit download. Done. It's just better. Like, that's what I think they should just do with Street Fighter at this point. They should allow you to customize them, upload the creations, and let people just download the outfits or whatever. You want to do Blanca with a mohawk and, you know, a leotard and ballet slippers? Go right ahead. Well, that's the thing. The mod community does, and it's weird because it'll be like one person making something, but it seems like they put so much work in, much more work in than the actual creators. Well, dude, you you saw the video I shared when they did that Goku versus Street Fighter, and it was just him, you know, flying around and, and fucking up all the Street Fighters. Someone created that. Like, someone put in genuine work to create that, and it was, it was incredible. Incredible to look at. Incredible. And I reference it because this is the type of shit that companies should look at and be like, you know, maybe maybe the community would like this. It's like instead of releasing costume packs, why don't you just take the fight money and buy accessories for your fighters or allow people to customize, you know, just add a not a create a fighter, but a customize a customize a fighter mechanism in the game. Why not? I mean, in Killer Instinct, you could play as orchid in her regular costume you could play as orchid in her you know killer instinct part one in her original costume or you can get certain pieces of equipment and swap things out oh you don't want her to wear the goggles and you want her to wear a gimp gimp mask go ahead put the gimp mask on let's get to work jesus it's true though but that's what i mean like you weren't paying for it it was there and if you wanted if you wanted you know the the green outfit you had to get a certain amount of fighter points. Same deal. I mean, the, it, applying logic like that to a game, to a franchise as, as storied as Street Fighter is a no-brainer. It's like I saw... The only thing I don't like sometimes is that the creative character modes, you damn near got to be a digital artist to make something that looks half-decent. Yeah. The best not, not to creative cut you off. character mode that I... I no, I, I was going to say not to cut you off that... I'm I'm not saying make it like WWE level, but hey, you want to change the color of the gi? Cool. 
Hey, you want a gi with ripped sleeves? Cool. Long sleeve shirt? All right. You finally you finally want to put shoes on Ryu so he doesn't walk around like a homeless guy? No problem. You know, you want to have Ken with, with the short hair, with the long hair, with the half long hair, half short hair, with a buzz cut, whatever the case may be. Just just like like things of that nature. I'm not saying, oh, you know, I want to put the logos on him and, you know, have, have Akuma with Rageworks on his gear or some shit. Not, not, we don't need to go super deep, but just enough that people can go, hey, I want to dress Adon in the, in the, in the traditional Muay Thai outfit, or I want to dress Sagat in the traditional Muay Thai outfit, like shit like that, you know? But that's what I'm talking about. The game that I, I recall off the top of my head that had the best, Simple, creative designs and everything was Soul Caliber. Oh well, their their yeah their their creative like, designs were tremendous though. That was that was Namco at, at at their best with those games. But really, it's like all you were doing was swapping clothes, masks, maybe some accessories, and the the players were doing this. I mean. I remember one dude created the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, all four of them. That's right. I remember that. I remember seeing that. That's correct. I remember before they put Link in the game, people were creating Link in the game. And then they had to take all the fun away because everybody had to add dicks. Yeah, but, but you know what happened with stuff like that? I mean, those games, there's a right way and a wrong way to do it, and people are always going to hack that stuff. If I remember, I used if- to have... I used to have Dead or Alive Beach Volleyball. I had it. I make no no illusions of why I bought it. But um fuck it. Hey, look look at this look at this bounciness on on this screen. Hey, I was young and, and hormones were out of control. Anyway, so bought the game and fun game, you know, people used to come through, we'd all play, it was multiplayer, it was cool. And then when I modded my I believe it was my Xbox and I may still have it on the modded Xbox, somebody said, hey, I added nude mode. And guess what? Everybody, butt-ass naked. Hey, that chick with the white hair up top, curtains match the drapes. Like, that's, like, like this person. But here's the thing. This person removed all the clothes, but the developers left all that in there. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it's like, which is fine because you don't want you don't want fucking Ken dolls and Barbie dolls. I understand, but it, you know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's like if you don't intend the characters to be nude on screen, why are you making them, you know, anatomically perfect? Well, I think they have to if they're building it from from the gra- from you know in reverse. I can understand that to a point because let's not kid ourselves, Team Ninja spends an ample amount of time on boob physics in Dead or Alive. Let's not even kid ourselves. So it's it's to be expected. And I mean, even in the Street Fighter games, from one beta to the next, you saw changes in the way Chun-Li looked or Cammy looked. Like, there were adjustments being made because I'm sure somebody was like, hey, 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 too much bouncy, too much bounciness there. Or, hey, you know, are you guys accounting for the fact that if she does a kick, I can... I can I can visualize that it's her box on screen. You know, whether that's the case or not, these are things you got to be aware of because all it takes is one look the wrong way and it's like, "Oh, yeah, that's not supposed to be there." Yeah, the Japanese crowd actually said that 
Cammy was ugly, which I looked at a picture of her from the original trailer, and I was like, she actually looked very much like what a British girl would look like. She didn't look ugly. She had, she looked like Cammy. I mean, but now they've softened her look so much. She looks like she comes from California. It says, oh, my God, like, where is the party? Yeah, but here's the thing. You were talking about an English chick with a scarred fucking face. Like that shit is just stupid. It just it just stuff like that is just ridiculous. But this goes this goes into, you know, body shaming and uh, and all these all these interpretations. And and I do want to throw this out there because it was very interesting. Somebody took a photo of a woman. You could probably find this article on the web. Google is your friend, folks. And they gave this picture of this woman to different artists from around the world. And they said, "How how would the, you know make make her your 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 perfect woman?" And this woman was photoshopped by different people from different races to what they they deemed their ideal, which was interesting because you know you go to you know Hispanic his his you know Hispanic parts of the world and you know she the, the girl has thicker hips. You know, a bigger bust, a larger ass. You you see little things. And then when you go to like a Japanese or a Chinese artist, her her eyes are more almond shape. She's shorter. Um, her waist is thinner. Her bust is smaller. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So to to take a character like that, who is a British, a British fighter. And I understand you got to make him look pretty or you got to add a little a little aura of sexiness. I understand, but the fact that you're going to you're going to take away from whatever other development is going on in the game to change the appearance of the fighter because people felt that she was quote unquote ugly is stupid. It's like, "Hey, all of you guys marking out about poison, what if she has a dick?" Am am I but but am I wrong though? You get what I'm saying like people, "Oh, this is ugly, this is not." Like, they made Poison probably one of the most attractive characters in the game. But it's still a little vague whether she pees standing up or sitting down. You know this, right? I'm going to reserve my answer. No, I, I, I don't, you know, I'm not expecting you to answer in a typical off-air response. But I'm just saying it from the standpoint of you're looking at a character and you're making these 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 notions and opinions that affect the game you know the the development of the game but don't affect it in a way that is important to the gamer oh you know cammy's not pretty i don't give a shit what she looks like i give a shit that i can get on the fucking server at two in the morning fuck what she looks like that would help you know what i you know what i mean it's like i wouldn't know what the bitch looks like if the server is not working and that's and that's the kind of stuff that i think you know is is just a, a culture thing. I mean, when they did the 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 bearded Ryu announcement, every oh Ryu Ryu or Ryu, I'm, my translation's always gonna vary. Look, he has a beard, and there were articles upon articles upon articles about the fact that the fucking guy had a beard. It's like, yo, if I'm walking across the fucking world barefoot looking for a fight, I better have a fucking beard by now. You know, like, like I, I understand, I understand that it's, you know, visual tweaks that get people's attention, 
But none of that matters if the gameplay is shit. We've we've spoke about this. Absolutely correct. Like the 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 Brazilian fighter that they just introduced. It's like okay, Laura. Yep. It's like okay. You know she's a she's a a, a master in this discipline, but gravity would make those boobs fall out of that top. But no one says this is a problem, right? That's what all the flips she does. Thank you. Just, just shit like that. And again, we're we're are, we're we're di- discussing the the idiosyncrasies of of feminine game design. And I don't want to I don't want to beat this to death. But again, no nobody complained about that. <laughs> nobody said, uh, "Hey guys, don't you think her gi should be a little more? I don't know, closed." Like you look at at Makoto's design. Makoto's design is the ideal design of a woman that does martial arts, right? Yeah, but she's also a lot younger. Let's just say. No, I, I understand, but you you understand the way it's being depicted. You know what I mean? She still has a gi, still knows she's a girl, but it's within the realm of all right. That's that's legit. I mean, don't get me wrong. You're also fighting a guy in a giant white diaper. In Street Fighter Three, which if you fought a guy with a giant white diaper in the street, unless you're fighting the naked cowboy, that's some freaky ass shit. So there is there is that, there is that. But everything else, you know, like like you look at it and you see where the design gets a little crazy. Because yeah, like like we were just saying, you know, Makoto's a, a younger fighter in, in 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 theory, and because of that, let's let's do this right. But Come on, let's not let's not pick and choose where reality applies and where it doesn't. You know. I hear what you're saying, man. By the way, I'm just laughing. By the way, somebody somebody posed an interesting thing to me, and I wanted to mention it on air. Everybody knows that in every Street Fighter game since the beginning, inspiration has been drawn from various fi- from various real life martial artists for their Street Fighter counterparts: Fei Long, Bruce Lee. Balrog, Mike Tyson, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So people were saying that it's inevitable that a female fighter ends up, that, that there's an, a female fighter that gets introduced that is a mixed martial artist. And gee, where would she draw inspiration from? Well, I would say Ronda Rousey. Very I mean, good. That's 100% you right. Have Laura, who kind of is a mixed martial artist already. Yeah, but you know she's she's she is but i'm talking about coming in there in you know mma style fight shorts and gloves and uh, kind of like what they did with abel because abel is a mixed martial artist and you can see that in his fighting style yeah i, would, I mean i'll agree with that but he's you know there's a whole the whole other story behind him so yeah that's something else yeah i mean there's there's a whole other story for him but as as more and more roster reveals, you know, get announced, I have a feeling that we're going to start seeing very, very few returning characters. At least returning in the sense of, hey, I saw this guy in the last game. I think we have 14 characters so far. Right. And I would have to look it up to see how many were in the initial release of Street Fighter 4. Right, because when you look at it, you're you're seeing, you know, the, the staples. You're Ken, Ryu, then we're also getting characters. 
from from other you know from other Street Fighter titles, which is fine, but there's only but so many there's only but so many you're gonna use unless of course you're gonna keep just expanding the roster until everyone's in there. Because that's the thing we all we all have our favorites from from different games, you know. Like for every person who was excited about you know M Bison being added, you're gonna have five people that are gonna wander you know that are gonna wonder where Sagat is or Balrog or Gen or you know Yun and Yang. So with with that said, they're gonna have to keep expanding that roster because. For every three guys that you put out that need to be in there, there's going to be three more that should be in there. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. I definitely am curious. I mean, you know, Nikali we know is new. Laura is new. I believe that they're going to do... There's a rumor there's going to be three more new characters and then some returning ones. Everybody wants Alex in the game. Don't know if that's going to be the case. But a lot of people were hoping for that. Me personally, I never used them too much, so I could I could care less. But um, you know, some people are like, "Oh, you guys should put Q in the game." It's like, how many motherfuckers really used Q? They said there was seventeen originally in the first version of Street Fighter Four, right? Because in the original version, Akuma was there, but he was a quote unquote hidden character, right? But that's what I'm saying, like. Like, if you don't put Akuma in the game, people are going to complain. I may be one of them, but there's there's always there's always room. There's always room for improvement. I mean, if you don't put Akuma and you put Oni, I'll take it, you know, because it's the same guy. But um, that's what that's what I mean. Like, people are going to you're going to put in Hugo for argument's sake. And people are going to be like, well, what about Poison or what about Cody or what about Guy or Hagar? Well, Alex has been seen in the background, so right. they're assuming that he's going to be there. Yeah, like like Alex is in there, and if you're going to go and start borrowing guys from Street Fighter Three, then you know a lot. There's a there's a very very strong rumor that Urian is going to be one of them, and kind of cool, but again, guy in a diaper. But I kind of felt it was going to go that way after Seth's design in Street Fighter Four. Oddly enough, that would be the reason why I don't want to see him in the game. No, no, no. I know, but I always felt that they were leaning towards finding a way to kind of bridge that gap, and I always felt that Seth was the character to bridge that gap for whatever reason. Something about his design, I was like, eh, kind of reminds me of these two. So, <laughs> nonetheless, you know, well, we, we'll see what happens. I mean, they have what. Was it March that it comes out? Yeah, March. By the way, but before we wrap it up, I did want to ask you: when you pre-ordered, a, when you pre-order a game through Best Buy and you get the pre-order receipt, and for whatever reason you lose said receipt, how do you still get your pre-order? Well, I generally pre-order from the website, right? But um, if you have, and there, and this is going you somewhere. Purchased it, you just go. Go to your, um, what do you call it? Log on to your account on BestBuy.com and it should be there. The only reason I ask is because I when I pre-ordered Street Fighter Five, I don't know how many months ago, it's like, oh, yeah, that paper receipt. And then I said to myself, I think I threw that shit out. Because <laughs> when I, um, 
actually, if you have anything else that you want to go over do it, because I'm trying to check it right now, because I bought Jurassic World in store on Tuesday, and I'm pretty sure it should be there right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to, Jurassic World, I'm picking it up this weekend, so that I can understand, but I was no, just curious if you... That the record of my purchase will be on the on the website. Ah, okay. Right now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I figured I'd ask just in case because I know you, you, you're, you're a quote, you know, a, a loosely termed Best Buy power user. So <laughs> I figured, I figured I would ask you, but um, you know, I don't got to worry about it till March, but I figured I'd check nonetheless. Of course, Best Buy seems to be down right now. Of course it is. <laughs> why the hell wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't it be? <laughs> that's that's just how the shit works. Anyway, is there anything else you wanted to add, my friend? No, I'm good right now. All right, brother. I appreciate the call and the assist as always. All right, I'll talk to you later. Peace. That was our very own Slick. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter at RWSlick. You can also find him on Rageworks and on our Facebook fan page and Rageworks group as well. Now, I figured, and I and I want to say this, ah, RW underscore. I always mess it up. I'm assuming that somebody has RW Slick on Twitter. It's RW underscore Slick. I got to remember that because that underscore is a pain in the ass. Um, as I, I wanted to say before we wrap things up, uh, you know, we did wax poetic about Street Fighter a little bit, but I really wanted to bring that stuff up because, you know, we see this, especially over the last couple of weeks, I've seen it with Comic-Con and cosplay and stuff like that and, and people's opinions about, you know, body shaming, et cetera, et cetera. But to see it get so granular from a gaming perspective at times gets a little crazy, especially when, when, it, when it's in regards to things that are going to delay work on the core components of a game. Like when Slick was telling me about, you know, the Cami situation, I said, you're going to take time away from an art director or a guy who's doing character design that has to put together 10, 15, 20, 30 additional characters to focus on a character that is quote unquote, not pretty enough. I just, I just think that shit like that is fucking petty and it deserves to be acknowledged. And I wanted to throw that out there. So, um, I'm a hop off my soapbox, close out this gaming segment and let us switch gears and jump into the week's entertainment news. So let's get to it. So I want to get the ball rolling with some sequel news. It seems that New Line is going to pull the trigger on a sequel for Annabelle. Now, if you guys remember, Annabelle tied into The Conjuring and was about the possessed doll, had a $6.5 million budget and made $200 million. Now, here's the the thing. I saw Annabelle... I want to say about a month ago with my wife. And the thing is that, and and I've given my my thoughts on this before, that PG-13 horror movies just aren't horror movies. They're they're fucking stupid. And Annabelle was was obviously an R-rated movie. But aside from that, I felt that that movie went back to what was really important in the roots 
of of horror movies and that is a lot of you know blink and you missed it moments a lot of you know you had a fair amount of jump scares too but just little things that really seemed out of place or jumped out of nowhere like things like that are effective i mean sure you can rely on the typical gross over the top decapitations disembowelings whatever the case may be and that's fine but sometimes you want to you want to focus on the core of a horror film and that's suspense and i think that annabelle for as as gimmicky and and as silly as it was at, at some points it really it really did bring it back full circle to that sort of you know old old school 80 late 80s early 90s uh horror genre which was really cranking out good stuff back in the day i mean i can go back and talk about films like puppet master that were comedic to a to a point but they had their fair share of shock value critters uh the ghoulies uh munchies you know movies like that um slither which was a surprisingly enjoyable horror comedy you can go and yeah that you had some gross out stuff but you had some 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 solid scares in there and i'm not shocked that this film is getting a sequel because again you had a 6.5 million dollar budget and you made 200 dollars. it's a no-brainer i think and i've said this before that's one of the reasons why paranormal activity has been so successful you're taking these movies that are costing a million two million maybe three million dollars and you're just you're just jumping head first into cranking them out because they cost nothing, they make sixty or seventy million dollars. You're not even counting home, you know, home releases, and it doesn't it doesn't hurt anyone. Like right now, I know a couple of people went to see Ghost Dimension: Paranormal Activity, and they were like, "Eh, it was it was it had a couple of jump scares, a couple of cool moments, but you know, typical Paranormal Activity." And that's that's what I'm saying. When the Blair Witch Project came out, the Blair Witch Project utilized a, a, a shoestring budget, really good visuals, and a really, really solid narrative to tell the story. And what's happening is that sometimes you crank out all these horror movies, these these PG-13 horror movies, and you're relying on, you know, stuff that happens off screen, uh, things that are just so cliched and so mundane that they really suck any enjoyment out of what may be a solid story. I mean... I watched, and my wife recommended it because she was watching it at one point. They, they that show Scream Queens on on Fox, and Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. Who, of course, whenever you think of horror films, Jamie Lee Curtis jumps to mind as one of the original Scream Queens. And that show, there's a lot of over the top silliness, but there are moments that they really rely on good jump scares suspense and its fair share of gruesomeness you know arms legs being chopped off etc and what happens is that show it's almost like a wink and a nod at the camera i like to i like to call it i like to look at it as a as the deadpool of horror tv shows because there's a lot of stuff that's just so foolish that in in one episode i remember all the sorority girls were buried in, in a lawn with their heads sticking up and there was one girl, she was deaf, but she always sang Taylor Swift songs. Why she sang them, I don't know. I know that Slick would probably enjoy this in a twisted way. But anyway, 
she's there. She's the, the um, all the pledges are buried in the dirt. And all of a sudden, someone turns on a lawnmower and everybody's screaming. They're like, oh, my God, it's a lawnmower. What the hell? What's happening? And when the lawnmower's coming, the the deaf girl is she's like, hey, are you guys are you guys saying something? Are you guys singing Taylor Swift? And she starts like singing Taylor Swift for no reason whatsoever. And of course, as you would expect, the lawnmower runs over her head and kills her. But it was so stupid and so silly. And you're like, you know, you obviously don't want to laugh at the deaf person because you don't. But the entire concept, the buildup and the way that the scene was framed was so silly that even though it was a gruesome decapitation, it was so past that that you really were just like, holy shit, that was insane. Now, films like Annabelle, Paranormal Activity, even The Conjuring, they do a really good job of leveraging a pretty decent story with a fair amount of innovative stuff. I mean, in Paranormal Activity, you know that someone's going to get dragged up the stairs by an invisible force. You know that someone may get pushed down the stairs or some or something may break or the lights may turn on and off. That's stuff that's expected. So those type of scares don't really they don't really affect you as much. But I remember I believe it was the first one where the woman was walking down the stairs to walk out and she was dragged by her foot up the stairs down a hallway into a room. It's not every day you see that. So it was like, oh, shit, that's crazy. And I think that films like Annabelle, movies like The Conjuring, they still respect that and they still know how to do that. Paranormal Activity, they've reached a point where let's throw shit at a wall and see what sticks. Is it entertaining? Sure. Is it good? It depends on who you ask. But overall, it's not it's not the worst thing out there. And like I said, it's a no-brainer that a movie with a $6.5 million budget that brought in $200 million was not getting a sequel. It's ridiculous to not expect that. Anyway, let's move into some box office totals. Goosebumps came in at number one. The Martian was number two. Bridge of Spies came in at number three. Crimson Peak was four. Hotel Transylvania Part Two was number five. Pan, which has been panned, no pun intended, came in at number six. It's only made $25.7 million. Sicario was number, uh, excuse me, the intern was number seven. Sicario was eight. Woodlawn was nine, and the Maze Runner Scorched Trials was ten, earning an additional two point eight million dollars, bringing its grand total to seventy five point four million dollars. Now, of course, this weekend you got Vin Diesel's uh, The Witch Hunter, which I I do want to see. There's a there's a, a side of me that's a glutton for punishment that that wants to see it because it looks it looks fun, it looks mindless and and silly. And it looks like something in the same vein as, as you know, Pitch Black and, and some of these other characters that Vin Diesel's brought to life. I'm definitely willing to, to check it out. I do want to see Paranormal Activity. I don't think I'd pay full price to see it, but I'd be curious to, to check it out in the theater. And the only reason I say this is because I haven't watched a Paranormal Activity film in the theater. I usually just watch them at home or I rent them. But I, I've, I have yet to experience it in the theater to see if it if it delivers as much as it, as, you know, as as solid of an experience as the home video and cable 
releases have done. Again, we'll see what happens. Whichever film I go to review, I go to see. Of course, you'll see a review for it on RageWorks.net. Superhero hype recently reported that Underworld Five is currently shooting principal photography and is scheduled to start film- filming later on this month. Of course, Kate Beckinsale is back as Celine. Theo James is back as David, and a host of other characters will be joining the series. Now, the thing is with the Underworld movies, and I've said this before, one was good, two was fucking out of this world, the prequel was solid, we could have left it at that, then we then we just went crazy with the next one, without Scott Speedman, and you you know, you know create the little hybrid girl, and I mean, it's fine, and I, and I know that the end game is to transition the, the series to Theo James as the lead, but do we really need a fifth Underworld film? I mean, honestly, do we need one? I, I don't I don't think we do, but others may disagree. I mean, they're fun, they're enjoyable films, much like the Resident Evil movies. They're they're a guilty pleasure, and I always watch them. But do we really need another one? I I don't think we do. Like I said, the last one was not great by any stretch of the imagination. It was it was fine, but it was you know it's it's Kate Beckinsale in a tight black suit. That's what everybody's really tuning in for, and. You know, maybe some cool creature effects, but nothing, nothing screams, please make a fifth movie with any of the two things I just mentioned. Nothing. Simple as that. Marvel fans were a little upset with the recent news that Daniel Bruhl addressed in his interview with Business Insider, stating that his character of Baron Zemo in Captain America Civil War will not be donning the iconic pink mask that we've seen in countless books. He says that it will be a different interpretation and you will not be seeing him in the mask. Now I, I will say that it could be misdirection uh, throwing, you know, throwing a couple of different red herrings out there, trying to get uh, a buzz going without giving up the truth remains to be seen. But I definitely me personally as a, as a captain America comic reader, I was bummed to see that they were not going to have Baron Zemo in costume. But again, it could all be misdirection. We'll see what happens when the film hits theaters May 6th, 2016. Now, I'm going to I'm going to hop on the soapbox for a little bit because obviously the new Star Wars The Force Awakens trailer came out and it was it was cool. It got it got it definitely got me pumped and excited for the film. I I enjoyed it. I think that you know, Disney, J.J. Abrams, and, and all the cast are trying to give us an amazing story. And the, as soon as the film, the trailer came out and pre-orders for tickets opened up, sites were crashing, countless people were tuning in left and right. And over the last few days, the, the hashtag boycott Star Wars Episode 7 started rearing its head on social media. And I saw it, and whatever, I didn't really pay it any mind. And then as the film, as the as the buzz for the film reached a fever pitch, I started reading some of the stuff that people were writing using the boycott Star Wars Episode 7 hashtag. And I was just, it's, it's very easy for me to come on air and say that as a, as a, as a society, we're really, really, really fucked up. 
But the fact that people would go out of their way to shit on, on John Boyega or give J.J. Abrams shit or any of these other people for, you know, the usage of, a, of an African-American character, um, it's, it's just... Yeah, it's crazy. Even Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac is, you know, of, of mixed race. And to see some of the stuff people write, it's it's heartbreaking. And I say this not because of what was said, because the stuff that was said was just fucking terrible. But I say it's heartbreaking because when you're a geek, and the term geek is always exclusive for, you know, comic fans, etc. But people can geek out about anything tech, sports, shoes, clothes, whatever the case may be. The term geek involves people that are extremely passionate about X items and are, you know, they wear they wear that pride on their sleeve. They connect with people that share those interests. And to see people that are fans of the movies say such terrible things just because one actor is not white it it really just annoyed the shit out of me and i was really mad because i said to myself the most iconic character in star wars darth vader was voiced by an african-american actor one of one of one of one of the you know another memorable star wars character lando calrissian last time i checked billy d williams is African American. Sure, if, if the only if, if you only think of Billy D. Williams as in Colt forty five ads and not as Lando, then you know you're you whatever the case may be, you're just you're close minded. And and the fact that this hashtag just took off and and some people were just having fun with it, but other people were just writing really really hateful shit. It just it just really just bummed me out. And I say this because. As, as a geek growing up, we've all had our fair share of, of you know, stigmas and, and mistreatment or whatever the case may be. We, we've always been accepting of others that were like that. There's always, you know, the film geeks, the comic geeks, the gaming geeks, whatever the case may be. And we've always looked past, you know, color sexual orientation again and, I, and i'm saying this in the broad in the in the in the broad stream in, in the broad scheme of things you know you you go to new york comic-con great example go to new york comic-con and you sit down i'll give an example you sit down in the press office and you don't just see comic nerds you see guys that are geeking out over doctor who or guys that are geeking out over Hannibal, or guys that are really passionate about South Park, or guys that you know enjoy, you know any of the of the BBC programming, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and and they're all there, different races, genders, sexual orientations, just sitting there shooting the shit about what 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 unites all of us and it's the our love for comics or our love for games or movies or whatever the case may be and it's not a factor but for someone to not appreciate what Disney is trying to do because the actor that's in it 
is not a color that you think is 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 right is is just abysmal. It's like what Slick said. You know, people talking about that the film uh, preaches white genocide, and that because J.J. Abrams is you know of of, of Jew you know is is Jewish, it, it it's his fault, and you know the Jews run Hollywood, and all this just excuse me, all this terrible stuff, and it it really just bummed me out because you you see all this excitement, all these all these people really pumped. For, for December 18th to come around to go and experience, a, you know, just a, a new chapter in, in a storied franchise that they may share with their children or their grandchildren or their nieces or nephews. And to, and to see it all derailed, albeit briefly, by, by these people that are just hiding behind keyboards saying really hateful, disgusting shit. Star Wars Episode Seven is going to be ghetto because you got a black Jedi, like shit, like that. It's like, did you guys forget that Samuel L. Jackson was a Jedi? Mace fucking Windu. How about that? Wasn't a problem then, and Mace Windu was pretty fucking important. But again, it's it's selective outrage, and I'm not saying I'm outraged about what people say because racial intolerance has existed as far back as I can remember, whether you're doing it openly or behind closed doors, it's out there and nobody should turn a blind eye to it because the shit is real. But it just, it disturbs me that some people are so blatantly out there with their views, not thinking, Oh, Hey, your screen name looks familiar. Hey, isn't your name Bob Smith? Don't you work at, Toys R Us. Oh, well, now you're fired, Bob Smith. No, nobody thinks about that stuff. They just go out there and type, 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 type. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Hate the black guy. Blah, blah, blah. It's it's like this. And, and it's crazy because it's not even just Twitter, but on Facebook. On Facebook with and on websites with Facebook comments enabled, which means I am seeing your real name or something that's associated with you as a person. Even if you're using a fake Facebook name, we can still find out who you are. It can happen. And you're just, people are just spewing really hateful stuff. Again, for something that is a source of entertainment and enjoyment. Simple as that. Entertainment and enjoyment. If, if, you, if you are offended that there is an African-American lead actor in Star Wars and that's really getting your goat or quote-unquote grinding your gears, then you, you got three options. Leave this planet, accept it and keep your views to yourself, or, or fucking just don't, don't go on social media. Don't. Don't go on it if you're going to be inclined to say hateful shit. Keep it to yourself. Or don't support the movie. But don't don't fucking try and ruin the experience for everyone else with your racist shit. It's stupid. That's all I'm saying. Anyway. Moving on. A couple of things I did want to talk about before we wrap things up. First up, it looks like Peyton Reed is getting back into director's chair to direct Ant-Man and the Wasp. Now, of course, Peyton Reed directed the first film and Ant-Man went on to 
make a, a decent amount of money, $178.8 million in the U.S., which surpassed the box office totals for Captain America Winter Soldier, and it also surpassed Thor with a $454.7 million worldwide total. It shows that Ant-Man, even though it was a niche character and maybe not a character that everybody was excited to see on screen, does have box office appeal. And in the grand scheme of things, in the larger Marvel Universe, we're going to get those fringe characters once in a while. Whether they're on screen or on video or whether they're in the theaters or on the small screen, they do have a place, especially when you're trying to tell some of these stories. How many of us have read huge comic book sagas and there's one or two issues of said saga that take place in a book we don't read plenty of times it happens whether you know it's a character you really enjoy or just a book you don't really read it's it's part of of what works in comic books and movies are starting to adapt that same strategy is it going to work forever who knows but for every, for every Captain America or Avengers Age of Ultron, you're going to get an Ant-Man. It's going to happen. And either you're with you're on board with it or you're not, but I think that Ant-Man is just the tip of the iceberg. As long as we don't get a Wonder Man movie, because that guy fucking sucks, then um, I'll accept anyone else. Just, just not Wonder Man, because he was the fucking worst. Anyway. Two last news stories to wrap things up for tonight. Uh, top 10 Blu-ray sales for this week, for this past week. Obviously, not a shocker. Number one was Aladdin, which I actually want to pick up. Number one, because those diamond releases don't stay on shelves long. Number two, my sister loves Aladdin, loves it. So it's good to have an extra copy close by. Uh, number two was San Andreas, not a shocker, big Super crazy, over-the-top special effects spectacle. Uh, number three, Avengers Age of Ultron. Number four was Tomorrowland. Five was Furious 7. Six was Magic Mike Double XL. Seven was Pitch Perfect 2. Number eight was Cinderella. Number nine was Spy. And number 10 was Dope. Now, on the 3D Blu-ray side of things, the number one selling Blu-ray, 3D Blu-ray, of course, Avengers Age of Ultron. Mad Max Fury Road in 3D came in at number two. Insurgent was number three. San Andreas in 3D was number four. And Captain America Winter Soldier still holds on in the number five slot. I will say that the 3D transfer for Avengers Age of Ultron is good. It's it's a beautiful picture. But again, that movie was done, I believe, in post. The 3D was done in post-production. Didn't need to be done in 3D to begin with. But again, Hollywood's way of padding the box office a little bit nonetheless i ended up picking up the 3d version because on the on release date when the film came out the 3d ver the 3d blu-ray and the regular blu-ray were priced the same so at that point i figured get the 3d the standard and the digital copy for the 19 dollars versus getting the blu-ray the dvd and the digital and not using two out of the three at least in this case, I can watch the 3D or I can watch the regular Blu-ray and keep it moving. But nonetheless, not shocked to see Aladdin take the number one slot and not and far less shocked to see Avengers Age of Ultron take the number one slot on the 3D side of things. And to wrap things up, some Gambit movie news. As many of us, as many of you know, uh, Channing Tatum still scheduled to 
portray Gambit on the big screen. Unfortunately, in terms of getting the project off the ground, we've had director issues, uh, budgeting issues, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it looks like they're trying to court Doug Lyman, who did Edge of Tomorrow and The Born Identity. Um, Doug Lyman at one point was considered the director for Watchmen, which is crazy. But the guy's definitely has his fair share of solid movies on his list, so it's worth exploring. I'm curious to see if Lyman takes the gig. And again, like I've said before, I don't feel Gambit deserves his own solo film. I think an introduction in an X-Men film is perfectly fine for his character, but we're going to see what happens. We're going to see if they can capture the same success that Marvel has with Ant-Man and some of their other characters on the flip side with Gambit. We'll see what happens. Of course, once I get an official news item regarding the director, I will share it with you guys. With that, that is going to wrap up the entertainment segment for this week and is going to wrap up the show as well so with that i've given you my take on gaming and entertainment this week i'd love to hear yours reach out via social media at my take radio on twitter at rage underscore works you can also reach out to slick rw underscore slick on twitter you can find us on facebook facebook.com forward slash official RageWorks. that has all the my take radio and RageWorks stuff on the on that fan page plus you can join the RageWorks group as well. The URL for that will be in the show notes. Last but not least, you can find us on Google+, Pinterest, and on Instagram, RageWorks underscore Rich, to follow me on Instagram and see all the crazy stuff I'm into, including all the show stuff, lots of food, tons of toys, and other things as well. We do, we do lots of giveaways on Instagram as well, so worth a follow if you are into that. Last but not least, archived episodes of this show will be available on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio for audio, and My Take Radio TV and official RageWorks on YouTube for video. We're also putting the shows on daily motion as well. Last but not least, if you want the best My Take Radio experience, spend $1.99 and pick up the official My Take Radio app. Not only do you get 96K stereo episodes of the show, but you get access to exclusive content before the general public, including our other episodes, our other shows, My Take Radio Behind the Mic, My Take Radio Beyond the Mic, The Minority Film Report, Mobile Wallpapers, and so much more. It's available for $1.99 on in iTunes for iOS, in the Google App Store, in on Amazon for, for Android devices, and of course, in the Windows Store for Windows Mobile and Windows 8 and 10 PCs as well again you get high quality audio mobile wallpapers and first time access to any of our other shows before the general public all right guys on behalf of myself slick and the rest of the rageworks mtr team i am out of here be on the lookout for the regular season sportscast and next week we will be bringing you the buried halloween special until then i'm rich you've listened to my take radio episode 321 I am out of here. Peace. I'm rich, bitch. Uh, uh. That's all, folks.